The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory, a special edition breaking down the 53-man roster. We kind of waited. We didn't want to do it on Saturday. We kind of wanted to let the dust clear a little bit, see what other moves were going to be made. We're kind of glad we did. We're not glad to see no cornerbacks added to this roster, but more on that later. Here to help me talk about this roster. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what is up, my friend? Kent. Don't lie to the people. We didn't record on Saturday because we were watching college football all day. We were not about to take time from <laughs> watching this first football, first full day of football games to record a podcast. No, I'm kidding, guys. We were waiting. We were all waiting to see the practice squad. We wanted to see if any waiver claims are going to be put in, who was going to be added. I think we're all equally disappointed in the lack of news at cornerback position so far, but we'll get there. We don't need to get into a bad move right off the riff, right, Craig? Yeah, that that's right. And you guys can speak for yourself. I was just watching David Woodward highlights from Utah State over and over again. My man had 24 tackles. 24 tackles on Friday night. He also night. allowed Wake Forest yeah, to score 38 yeah, points. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you know, he, he doesn't get much help there on that Utah State defense. But we are happy to talk about the Chiefs 53-man roster. There's some uh, some intriguing moves that got made this weekend. Yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> some are good. Some are some are worth talking about. Some uh, we'll we'll get there. Let's. <laughs> what we're I think what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go position by position. Kind of any interesting nuggets about what happened with this 53 man roster. We'll start with the quarterback position. Patrick Mahomes, Matt Moore, and Chad Henney made the initial 53-man roster, which was kind of surprising. They finally, they, they IR'd Henny, which was kind of as expected, but Craig, are you a little surprised that they left a roster spot open on the initial 53 for a potential backup quarterback that you might only get, you know, in the middle to end of the season? Yeah, I, I don't understand what Chad Henney does for this roster by coming back off of IR, I suppose, God forbid, if Patrick Mahomes got hurt, you want to have a a backup quarterback maybe to get you through a few games. I think Matt Moore is just good enough to get them through a couple of games. I'm not sure that Chad Henney makes a difference. I certainly wouldn't waste 
an IR return spot on him later in the year. You know, you don't have to designate those now or anything like that. But when we get to the point where Chad Henney's healthy again, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste a spot on a backup quarterback. Yeah, I'm really confused by this as well because by the time that Chad Henney would be able to come back and play, you would be having to experience, at least in my opinion, injuries to two different quarterbacks. And at that point in time, what are you really playing for anymore? Like, even if Mahomes goes down, no matter who the backup is, the team's playing to barely stay afloat. But if you lose your backup quarterback and Matt Moore, who you would have to assume would be ahead of Henny for at least a couple weeks while he gets back all the way ready to go, what does Henny provide over Matt Moore? Like, is it going to take you to another level of performance? I'm not sure I see that. So, yeah, that was weird to not see him just go on the full IR before he was named to the full 53-man team roster. Well, and that's just another guy, you know, you have to let go off of your 53. Like, I mean, that's just another player that, you know, that roster spot could have been utilized on somebody else. But here we are. Uh, obviously, Chad Henney was moved to IR pretty quickly today. Jeff Allen did sign as part of, you know, the uh, transactions with that. But we'll get to that here in a minute. But I think we really need to talk about the running back position because one of the most interesting things – uh, that happened this weekend, happened at running back. The Chiefs d- decided to sign LaShawn McCoy, who was released recently from the Bills. He is now in play here in Kansas City. And uh, Matty, overall, and, and you kind of broke down some of his 2018 film. What do you think of this move to add LaShawn McCoy into the mix? Just starting on the surface, it's interesting. I, I like the move. I think LaShawn McCoy helps the team. He's definitely better than Daryl Williams right now. He's probably better than Darwin Thompson right now. So he makes sense to add to the rotation. He's not too expensive. He doesn't eat into the Chiefs cap. What I find the most interesting is now the Chiefs running back one, two, and three have almost the exact same skill set. And the one skill set they're all missing is what your fourth running back is going to be having. But are they going to keep four running backs plus a fullback dressed for every game? Just the rotation of the running backs is very odd since they all share such similar skill sets now. But McCoy is a player. Don't let last year fool you. He's not the same guy he was before, but he's a lot better than the production stats look last year. That offensive line was terrible for him. He didn't have much to work with. He may have lost a step or two in terms of his top speed, but LaShawn McCoy's vision and just patience running the ball is fantastic. He's helpful in the passing game. He can still make anyone miss in a one-on-one in the open field. So again, I'm pretty much listing the traits for Damian Williams, for Darwin Thompson. So they're much of the same player. He's just a veteran that's been around longer. Yeah, and he's a guy that will help in Darwin Thompson's development as a player too. I, I think we know that Darwin Thompson... Looked really good this preseason. There's a lot of really high hopes for him. LaShawn McCoy's on a one-year deal. I get that Darwin Thompson probably won't carry the rock as much as some people wanted him to this year, but I think LaShawn McCoy in that room helps him to be a better player in year two, year three, year four. And LaShawn McCoy is going to be running against the least stacked boxes that he has in so long, you guys. You can't stack the box against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. You have to be out wide. You have to be spread out to cover all of these wide receivers and all that speed. LaShawn McCoy is going to have plenty of room to run. And we know in open field, he's really good at setting guys up and making a miss. That's where he's going to be able to pay dividends. Yeah, and I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of 
pad this group a little bit. This is a long football season, and they've got some guys with some ability in there. They've got three real sturdy, uh, capable guys that can make plays in space that have some pass catching ability. They've got, a, you know, they've kind of stockpiled that group. And then Daryl Williams is a good football player too, and he's, you know, he's got some ability in special teams too. So like how the roster kind of plays out will be interesting. But overall, I don't think there's any downside to to making this move. I think it benefits, you know, you said the development of of a guy like Darwin Thompson maybe gives you a little bit more experience. Maybe if Darwin Thompson's not ready for a huge role in in week 1, that helps, you know, in that kind of capacity too. Maybe, you know, maybe it's 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 a early season move to kind of give McCoy run and then we'll, you know, let Darwin kind of take over late in the season. Uh, the wide receiver position. Tremont Smith. I don't know what we're calling Tremont Smith anymore. <laughs> wide receiver, Returner. running back. Returner. Whatever. I He's decided not even to that just, good at that. I just, I, yeah. He made the football team. And my question to you guys is when D'Anthony Thomas returns from suspension, is Tremont Smith on this football team? I team. I tend to think he's not. Like I, I think this is one or the other. Dave Tobe got his guy, and his guy is suspended. So Dave Tobe got his second guy, who is not suspended for the first game. I don't see any way that both Tremont Smith and D'Anthony Thomas are on this football team in week two. Yeah, I want to believe that it would make the most sense. But here's the thing. This team does some weird stuff with the bottom of the roster. The fact that Tremont Smith even made the team strange enough as is. And even when you look at their special team roles, they don't play the same position. I don't think D'Anthony Thomas is geared up to be their main return man this year. I think that'd be kind of, that'd be a bad look to put him out there over McCole Hardman, even Rashad Fenton, Byron Pringle, guys that are just a little bit more dynamic in terms of long speed, which is a lot more important for a kick returner than D'Anthony Thomas. D'Anthony Thomas shines as a gunner, he's good at getting downfield and helping make tackles on special teams. Tremont Smith's not making his name by being a gunner. Yeah, he's fast, but he's not particularly good as a gunner. He doesn't make flash plays. So they fill two entirely different roles. I wouldn't be surprised if Dave Tobe gets to keep both of them for some reason. And I'm not sure what you're doing with them when they're not on special teams. But, I mean, unfortunately, I think we are going to see that. I, Tremont Smith doesn't have a defined role outside of of kickoff returns. D'Anthony Thomas at least could contribute a little bit as a gadget player. I would, again, much rather see McCall Hardman out there, Byron Pringle out there getting those looks, but he can at least contribute. I just think, I, I, I'm with Kent. I think that once that returns, Tremont Smith is going to get let go. I understand that they do play two completely separate roles, but I do think that this is... Dave Tobe gets a handful of guys that he can get on the roster, and Tremont Smith happened to be like the very bottom rung of that. And when Dak comes back, Tremont's gone. One of the interesting things, I think, to some people at least, is Blake Bell and Dion Yelder making the the fifty three man roster behind Travis Kelsey. Some people thought maybe they carry two. Yelder, it sounds like, will be back relatively quick here. Dion Yelder will be back. So are you surprised that they're carrying three tight ends at this point, Craig? I I think what 
I expected was that Yelder maybe was going to go on IR and miss some time. So hearing that he's ready to go week one, I'm honestly not that surprised. Now, it's not like the Chiefs utilize those guys all that often. We heard that, you know, Blake Bell was getting all the Demetrius Harris special teams reps. I do think Andy Lee, Andy Reid really likes Dion Yelder. He he's constantly gushing about him as a receiving option. So I think that that's an Andy Reid wanting to keep that talent on the squad and because he's going to be available week 1 to at least practice, I think it just kind of made sense to have three tight ends. Yeah, I didn't expect to see three because the Chiefs it seems like are moving away from these multiple tight end sets. It just seems to fit Patrick Mahomes' game a little bit more to get more speed, more receivers out there. So, and especially with a downgrade and tight end two from Demetrius Harris to Blake Bell or Deion Yelder, I was expecting only one of them to make it. And especially, I think you could have used the roster spot for a more useful position. But when you're already stashing as many running backs as they are, as many offensive linemen, extra wide receiver gadget players, like I understand why you could get more use out of a third tight end like Yelder and Bell, who are both going to play on special teams. So I'm not upset by the move. I was just a little shocked that they did go with all three of them. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if, if Deion Yelder's a guy that's got some special teams value too. I think that might have played a factor too because I know he got opportunities last season on special teams primarily. The offensive line, the Chiefs kept nine, I believe, which isn't all that surprising because they've kept as many as 10 in the past. One of the things that is interesting, though, is they traded Carlos Hyde to the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien, the greatest GM in the history of the National Football League. They traded Carlos Hyde, a guy that they were probably going to release, for Martinez Rankin, a 2018 top 80 selection in the NFL draft last year. Maddie, what did you think about Martinez Rankin coming out last year? I actually kind of like Martinez Rankin. He definitely needs some work. Like He had some issues with some sloppy footwork, especially with not getting enough depth in his pass sets. He's relatively athletic. He moves well. He just gets kind of lazy with his footwork. So he had trouble with some speed around the edge when he didn't get good depth from being a little overly lazy, and he really needed to work on his anchor. Like These are two big things, and that sounds like a lot, but he was a developmental tackle coming into the NFL that was kind of put in a very bad position to be a developmental tackle there with the Houston Texans. <laughs> so now he gets to move to a team where he's 100% a backup. He's getting to learn from a good offensive line coach that has developed multiple guys and Andy Heck. I mean, the Chiefs need a swing tackle. They have nobody on the roster that can fulfill the swing tackle role if we're basing on what we've seen this preseason. It's a move they had to make, and I think he's a good player to get in the system because there is starting potential there if you can fix some of those flaws that he had coming out. Yeah, and for what it's worth, they actually do have 10 offensive linemen now with Jeff Allen returning today. That's, oh, that's right. That's number 10 today. <laughs> um, again. Again. I'm not sure why, but they're doing it again. Uh, Rankin, uh, getting anything for Carlos Hyde was, was a big deal there. Uh, Carlos Hyde was very clearly the fourth running back on the roster here. The Texans were going to cut him, and... You know, uh, the Chiefs jumped the waiver wire. That's why they made that trade. They weren't. They were pretty sure that he wasn't going to make it all the way down to them. So they went ahead and traded a guy that, especially with Lashawn McCoy getting free, 
became very redundant on this roster. So they just moved along from Carlos Hyde, got a swing tackle that they didn't have on their roster, and not only a swing tackle that they didn't have on their roster, one that they have control of for three years. That's a guy that they can stick with for a little while here. And I know Kent's really excited about that. Yeah, I am. I like I like getting controllable assets. <laughs> yes. I think that's a good piece and, and good business to help build your roster, especially as Patrick Mahomes gets more expensive. Uh, Rankins, I I liked him coming out. I think I had him like 75th in the 2018 class. Maddie's pretty dead on with a lot of the things he was talking about. He moves pretty well for a guy his size. Uh, he did struggle to anchor. He struggled with power. But he's got a lot of versatility, and I think that's what's going to be valuable for him. And I honestly, I don't think it – I. This this is Bill Bill O'Brien going unchecked right now. I don't think it's good business to give up on a guy like him, but they've been churning through offensive linemen so much over the course of these last couple years trying to get it right and obviously going out of their way to spend historic amounts of of draft capital to acquire a mid-level with upside left tackle. I mean, I, I... I like that they've done business with Bill O'Brien, and I like that they did business with Adam Gase for Darren Lee earlier in the year. So I feel like the Chiefs got a lot out of a guy that they weren't going to, you know, wind up making this team. And they've got a really nice developmental offensive lineman who could probably fill in in a variety of spots if need be down the line, but has some value potentially down the road. As a, yeah, to Maddie's point, potentially a starting offensive lineman. Probably my favorite move that Brett Veach has made to this point uh, with the preseason and with, with all this stuff. So uh, we've got some other things that we've got to talk about that aren't going to be so kind to Brent, Brett Veach right after this. Time to talk about the defensive side of the football, the initial 53-man roster. Breland Speaks was put on injured reserve before the 53-man cutdown. His season's over. That's that's kind of surprising. Also surprising, Joey Ivey has made the initial 53-man roster. Craig, do you have opinions on both of those things, either of those things? I find both of those pieces of, of information interesting on the defensive line. Absolutely. I think we thought that maybe Breland Speaks had the best opportunity to come off of IR and contribute at the end of the year. I know we made some jokes about how he might balloon up a little bit more than he has in the past, but he actually looked like he was getting it a little bit inside. So there was a little bit of hope there that maybe they could get something for him still this year. It sounds like they got in there and maybe the MCL was a little more serious than they thought. And after that, it it became a a problem. So that's too bad that his season's over already. Joey Ivey has kind of shown out a little bit. Like, he's made some flash plays throughout this preseason. Like, one or two, even a game here at the end of the uh, preseason. He looked pretty good in one-on-ones when we were at camp. But he was just kind of one of those guys that was a camp body going up against you know, backup, backup, backup offensive linemen. So you took everything kind of with a little bit of a grain of salt. And then once we got to the preseason, he actually started to look a little bit better. Making it over Justin Hamilton was a little surprising being Veach's guy. But hey, good for Joey Ivey. 
Yeah, and I think we didn't really talk about Joey Ivey too much leading up to this on the podcast because it was a little bit more of a long shot. But I think I kind of talked about it with these guys off the podcast here. It makes sense for Joey Ivey to make the team. Not only was he having a strong preseason, he was making flash plays every single week. But when you look at how the Chiefs' defensive tackles are kind of split up right now, you are going to have a predominant one tech. It's going to be a bigger guy stuffing the run. You're going to have a predominant three tech, a guy that's a little bit more explosive. It's getting a little bit more penetration. You have Derek Nottie. You have Xavier Williams. They're both very large. They're both more one tech, nose tackle types. Behind Chris Jones, I think everyone's thought was that Colin Saunders was going to be his backup because he does have that athletic profile. He doesn't look ready to contribute in the NFL right now. If you're going to take away Breland Speaks as well and his ability to kick inside, your next best explosive interior kind of penetrating player is going to be Joey Ivey over a Justin Hamilton or somebody else that might be a little bit thicker, a little bit bigger that people knew more of going in. So on top of his performance, just his play type, his style of play matches a little bit more what the Chiefs need. So I'm glad he made it. And this does suck for Breland Speaks. I think they were going to find him to be better inside. I was hoping we were going to get to see that more as the year went along. So a whole year being on the injured reserve, it could go one of two ways. He could come back next year and be in great shape because he has to work his way back. Or he could continue down the path that he already started this year, and it may get even worse. This is kind of a guy that you're not sure is going to rebound super well based on what you've seen from his weight fluctuation in the past. Yeah, and I think you're halfway through Breland Speaks' rookie contract now, and you really haven't got much of anything. You played around with trying to make him an outside linebacker his rookie year, and this year when he's better suited – uh, to succeed in a Steve Spagnuolo scheme, you're now just losing an entire year from him. So it's the Chiefs traded to pick 46 for him, and it's not looking pretty for him halfway through his rookie deal. And you don't know how like, – again, it's it's a big, big uh, offseason this year for him because they need something out of him next year. So – it, it's not looking good for the, the first pick of Brett Veach's uh, career. Joey Ivey, I couldn't agree more. I think that all makes a lot of sense. They had a little bit of redundancy if you're if you're bringing a guy like Justin Hamilton onto the roster. And Joey Ivey does present a little bit different skill set and kind of maybe helps add some depth and keep this group well-rounded. I really like this group. I'm really excited. I was sad to see them cut Jerry Ateochu, who made the initial 53-man roster. Uh, it looks like he will be cut for LaShawn McCoy. But I really like what they've done with this group and uh, looking forward to seeing what it's going to look like here uh, in Jacksonville. At the linebacker position, they kept six. They Anthony Hitchens, Reggie Ragland, Damian Wilson, uh, Darren Lee, Ben Neiman, and Dorian O'Daniel did make this football team. He uh, He's currently on there. I'm a little bit surprised, frankly. Uh, he did not look particularly good as a linebacker. He still has that special team's ability. Maddie, do you think he's just hanging on a thread based on his special team's ability? Is that really the only thing that is keeping him on this roster right now? I think so. That has to be it. His ability to play on special teams and with a relatively good athletic profile or something that the Chiefs don't have much of behind Darren Lee. So it kind of makes sense to keep Dorian O'Daniel behind him. 
He's the next guy that's going to play that coverage linebacker role. Even if he can jump, he would have to jump Ben Beeman, but Ben Beeman's definitely a more cerebral kind of in-the-box player than he is a guy that plays out in space. So there's a, there is a role for him as a backup and as a special teams player. I just don't think he had done enough to make the team in that role just because he doesn't make a lot of splash plays on any facet of the game. What surprised me just as much was going with only one Sam linebacker, one strong side linebacker. Once they cut Jeremiah Teichu, who I really was happy that made the team. I thought he'd had a really good preseason. Seeing him cut after initially making it was rough. He was kind of the next backup Sam. So now if Reggie Ragland does get hurt, you have to move Damian Wilson over or Anthony. You just have to shuffle guys around all of a sudden. It's not a big deal because it's such a small percentage of snaps. It's just interesting to see Dorian O'Daniel make it as a dedicated backup, but then not have any real backup for Ragland on the other side as a Sam. Not only is Dorian O'Daniel a dedicated backup, he's a backup backup. Like he he's the third will. Like and I mean, yeah, like Maddie was saying, when you're in the nickel, he's probably the second guy behind Darren Lee as your coverage linebacker. That maybe makes a little sense as often as they are in the nickel. But Spagnuolo so far this season has used a lot more Damian Wilson in that nickel than he has Darren Lee. So we'll see kind of what this rotation looks like. But right now. I think Dorian O'Daniel's on this team because he was a third-round pick, if I'm being honest. Wow. I know that that's I know that's a little rough, but he's not doing anything as a linebacker to really hold that spot down right now. He's blown some coverages. He just doesn't look super sharp. And then, like Matt was saying, yeah, he runs in special teams, but it's not like he makes a bunch of plays in special teams. So I, I think maybe with Breland Speaks being hurt, Khalil McKenzie getting cut, you know, having several players out of that 2018 draft class that have maybe either underperformed or they've not lived up to their billing or been cut already. Maybe they didn't want to take another hit with Dorian O'Daniel, at least on the initial 53. We'll see how long he sticks around this year and what kind of run he gets. All right. It's time to talk about the corner position i'm afraid a little bit if i'm gonna be honest uh just because i know that there's some strong opinions about this group your cornerback group as of today bashad breeland kendall fuller charvarius ward rashad fenton and uh, oh is that is that is that it is that four? Yeah, they, four? yeah, yeah that's four. 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 That's four. That's all that's on the roster that's currently. It. That's yeah. all that so if Bashad Breeland is Bashad Breeland the most valuable player on the defense right now? If Bashad Breeland goes down, what happens at corner? Is Rashad Fenton playing? Because the last game we saw Bashad Breeland hurt his shoulder. And we would be the Chiefs would be down to three cornerbacks. I'm sorry, it, Maddie. I'll let you go. I I I kind of I, I think we were gonna start with you. I'm not trying to steal your thunder. Please go. I've been begging this whole entire offseason to just give me a plan at the cornerback position, and I think I kind of accepted with the Morris Claiborne signing that you weren't gonna get another middle of the pack cornerback to sign. Like he was your middle of the pack cornerback signing. He's a guy to come in and compete for starting reps. I don't mind him in that role. 
if you needed another cornerback, you were going to trade for a starting number one corner or you were going to sign young talent to develop on your team. And what the Chiefs did, they stood pat. They didn't trade for a number one corner, so they still don't have one at all. They got rid of any young, talented corner they have. They also decided not to bring any of those young, talented cornerbacks to their practice squad and decided to run with four cornerbacks. They took their weakest position on the entire team and kept the bare minimum amount of players as they possibly could at the position and have decided that if Charvarius Ward plays as poorly as he has most of this preseason and gives up 500 yards in one week, that Rashad Fenton is the only backup plan, the only contingency plan they have for an injury or for poor play from one of the starting three players. And Rashad Fenton has only played slot cornerback for them this preseason. He hasn't played any outside cornerback. This is one of the worst handling of a position jobs I've ever seen from a GM. I mean, if you want to look on the bright side, you're not the Houston Texans. You haven't done whatever (laughs) they are doing right now. But if you start going down the list, the Chiefs and managing of the cornerback position over Brett Veach's three years has to be real close to that because this is pitiful. I, there must be a plan, and I think Chiefs fans think there's no way we're keeping four guys, so there has to be a plan. But what in Brett Veach's past makes you think that he has a plan right now? How are you still hoping there is a move to be made? And how is that move going to move the needle at all? from Charvarius Ward being locked in with no competition as a starter, despite struggling as much as he had this offseason. I, I think the the hardest part about this is that Chiefs fans are kind of banking on, not only is there going to be a move, it's going to be for a starter. Guys, NFL teams cut down. They're locked in. They need, like, starting cornerbacks are starting cornerbacks. Those teams have those. They're keeping those at this point. This is a war of attrition. Guys carry, or teams carry six cornerbacks with some fleshed out depth behind them for the sole purpose of if a guy goes down, they don't fall off too much. This is four guys at this point. Bashad Breland has been hurt twice in the past two months that has caused him to come out of games or miss practice time or miss games that's a problem not saying that Bashad Breland's going to get hurt this first four weeks but if he does you have three active cornerbacks and you're going to need all three of those guys to play 75 percent of the snaps and two of them aren't good it's not yeah and two of them are Charvarius Ward, and Rashad Fenton, who's a rookie. So this is a problem. They have to add another guy. But again, this isn't going to be a top-level guy. You're going to be talking about a fourth corner or a fifth corner, which is, they need it, but it's not a good situation. It's been ignored for too long. I mean, guys, Herb Miller was rotating with Charvarius Ward with the ones in preseason week three, Herb Miller wasn't good enough to make the Chiefs practice squad after they cut him. That's that's how far it is. If he and Charvarius Ward were at least close enough to where they needed to give both of those guys run, and then you're keeping one of those guys to start and the other one can't even make your practice squad, that's a problem, especially when you're only keeping four corners. And it sounds like they're going to probably add a cornerback to the practice squad. They haven't yet. The entire the entirety of the uh, practice squad to this point, I believe, has all been offensive players. But I, they, there's like 
they are they are so close to just having an absolute dumpster fire at the cornerback position. Maddie, don't jump in. I know the joke. It's they already are there. Yes, I get it. <laughs> but I like I just don't understand. I I know Brett Veach said, well, we can run, you know, maybe we can use some of the safety depth, and we'll talk about the safety depth in a second here. Like, great. Uh Jordan Lucas uh Juan Thornhill yeah let's put him out at cornerback sure that's fine but that just doesn't seem like a solution maybe 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 Juan Thornhill and Jordan Lucas are better than what Herb Miller can give you right now I don't know but I just don't understand why you aren't even at least trying to throw something up against the wall at cornerback for the first four weeks of the season until Morris Claiborne comes back it things can get extremely ugly very quickly at the cornerback position. I wouldn't be surprised if if you know the Jaguars try to make try to make those guys work, try to make them tackle, try to make them active in the run game because maybe one of their shoulders pops out. Like I don't know. I just I, I it's stunning and I I I'm terrified and I don't understand how you can roll with such little depth at literally one of the worst positions position groups in all of football it is it is and an important bad. one a very important position it's one Arguably, of the most important positions yes. in football yeah but we shouldn't be too surprised because veach has actively ignored it for three years like i know we've mm-hmm. talked about this multiple times now you can break it down individual move individual offseason by individual offseason and it doesn't make a ton of sense to overpay a corner that's there. Like, I get it. When you get into the microtransactions, there isn't a ton of options. But when you look at the big picture, we have three years worth of him adding players, getting a say right now. The only cornerbacks that he has brought in has been Bashad Breland, when he was willing to pay for almost nothing, Fuller, in a trade for a quarterback they had to get rid of financially and because Pat is Pat, and they traded a not going to make the team offensive lineman for a cornerback that wasn't going to make the Cowboys. Like those are his moves at cornerback. He is taking other teams' castoffs. Other teams didn't want these guys. He is bringing them in and relying on them to be starters and top tier cornerbacks for his team. And not I, only not only that, that's the type of move that would happen at this point. That's all now. that's left. Like that's the that. Yeah, that's all that's out there right now is other teams cast off. If you're getting a player from another team, it's because they're saying at this point, nah, we're good. We don't need that player for this season. It's different at the trade deadline. Maybe a team is tanking or something like that, and they make a move for a bigger player there. But at this point in the year, if a team is willing to give up a quarterback and a cornerback in a trade, you're either seriously overpaying for them or that team doesn't need them in the least bit. Do you know who Brett Veach is at the cornerback position? Brett Veach is the guy whose standards are just way, way too high when he's trying to when he's dating girls and like he, he never stays in a long term relationship because he's like, Yeah, you know, she's awesome and all, but one of her eyelashes is too long. Like he's just he's just like he, he's he does not stay in relationship because he's so picky. And so he just never commits. Are we to sure anyone. that's even it? Because it doesn't seem like he's very picky about who he's willing to start. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but I just I don't understand the logic. It just nothing makes sense about that. And like it's almost to a point where it makes so little sense 
and just seems like such an egregious error that there has to be something that well, they're planning. And, and that's and what, like that's what Chiefs fans are thinking. That's why I think Chiefs fans think another move is going to happen because they look at those four and say, "Okay, surely he's not doing that." But like Maddie said, he he has he put himself in this situation over the past right. three years. Well, right. it, there is a plan. If you listen to what Brett Beach said after all these roster cutdowns, he mentioned a potential, not even solution, but a way they're going to react to this, and that is to use safeties that failed as cornerbacks in college <laughs> at cornerback. Like, that was something that actually came out of his mouth. Now, whether that's, like, their main plan, you never know, but this is something that has been talked about in the room is to take guys like Jordan Lucas, take guys like Juan Thornhill, even Tyron Matthew – Two of those guys failed at cornerback at the college level. They were not good enough at cornerback for college. They were moved to safety because they could not play cornerback good enough. That is now something that the Chiefs are talking about using at the cornerback position because it is so bleak, but they don't do anything else about it besides trying to translate these guys back to corner after playing safety. Uh, Matthews, an inside-only guy. Fuller, best inside Fenton, best inside. They really have two outside corners and, like, okay, Thornhill and Jordan Lucas maybe. Like, it, I, I don't know. I, It's it's terrifying, and it should be terrifying, and I get if you're scared because we're all scared too, frankly. Um, it It's it's crazy. When like, you have try- nothing to point to anymore, I think that's the issue. It's like last year, or at least if you started at the beginning of this offseason, if this is what you were told, like you'd be very confused by the four cornerbacks. But you would say, well, Traverius Ward kind of had an up and down end of last season. Maybe he's really going to start picking it up. But from everything we've seen from Traverius Ward, from his actual play on the field to the time that they're willing to put him out there in the field, the level of snaps he was getting and with which team of defense – says that they might not be that confident in him either, which they shouldn't be, again, based on what we've seen. So it's not even like Ward has this super high ceiling right now that they're banking on him hitting. There's nothing cooking on the depth for the cornerback spots, and the top-tier starters are very weighted at the top end, and the top end's not even that high. It's just it's a terrible situation all around. The plan doesn't seem to be there, but unfortunately they are thinking through these things as they talked about with the safeties playing cornerback. It's just complete neglect at the position, and it's a big Achilles heel of the team, and I'm not sure there's a move available until the trade deadline that's going to help. And just to play devil's advocate right here, because you all know I'm, I'm in agreement the cornerback group is not good enough. The first four weeks of the season, before Mo Claiborne gets here, it's against Jacksonville, against Oakland, against Baltimore, and against Detroit. Those are not like a murderer's row of passing offenses that the Chiefs defense has to get through. There are some decent ones in there, but it's not anything that is making you know Steve Spagnuolo tremble or be scared of. Maybe it literally is just get to week five, get to Mo Claiborne, and let's see what we can do there because the the moves that they could have done at this point aren't going to move the needle in weeks one through four. Again, they should have already. There should have been a move to improve this group. Maybe that's all it is, though. A couple things I find interesting about this whole situation is as we are recording here on Sunday night, the uh, practice squad has not been filled. It looks like we've only got six... I believe of the 10 available roster spots are currently sitting out there right now on the practice squad. I find that interesting. 
it makes me wonder what kind of moving and juggling they're doing right now, trying to figure out what they're going to do at corner, what they're going to do with the defensive, potentially the defensive players on the practice squad. If if one of the guys that's currently on the 53 is going to, you know, I don't, I, what, I don't know what that means. Uh, I do think there is something to be said about if you're trying to build a logic around this, it is, you're right. Let's survive the first four weeks of the season until Morris Claiborne gets back, which is great. Yeah, awesome. That helps a little bit. And then maybe it's, let's see what the Cardinals are wanting for Patrick Peterson in week seven. And then maybe it's, let's see what cornerbacks are available at the trade deadline. So, like, there's still some, you know, there's still some mile markers to go, I think, with this whole journey. But... I still don't love the logic. But if you're playing, st- and I'm not disagreeing that the plan is to get through these first four games, get Morris Claiborne back, and I think Bashad Breeland, Kendall Fuller, Morris Claiborne is good enough. That's a lot of number two, three fringe corners. There's not a true number one. I'm not even sold. There's a true, true number two, but they're all close enough. You can get by with that on this defense. The issue is you're one injury to any of those guys away from having to start Traverius Ward again having to start Rashad Fenton again and you still have to play four games up until then until you have to where you have to play one of those guys beyond that I'm not so sure there's a lot of like talent in the depth building up they're trying to develop while you start these guys all in the last year of their contract for the Chiefs Rashad Breeland Kendall Fuller Morris Claiborne all in their last contract who are you developing to take their spot next year when you're just trying to piece this together right now there's no long-term or short-term plan right now. It's just a patchwork cornerback room that is very dependent on the top three guys to be good. And if any of them struggle, they have nothing behind them. And even their good is still just good, not great. And healthy. Good and healthy. It's uh, That's the hard part. It's not one or the other. It's not, like Matt said, you don't have anybody waiting in the wings. Uh, they have to be good and healthy. There, there's not another option. I think you guys know how the Chiefs could lose the Super Bowl. And I'm talking to everyone, fans. You guys know how this team can lose the Super Bowl. It's glaring. And I'm very curious to see how teams go about trying to absolutely expose this group. Because it's thin. It lacks a ton of talent. And this first four weeks of the season are going to be insane. It's stressful. And I'm I'm curious to see how Steve Spagnuolo accounts for it. I'm curious to see how this team does, how glaring it is, because it's it's scary. Uh, do you guys have any takes on the safety group at Play all? Play them at safety, not cornerback. It's, yeah, they're good. They're, the safety group is good. Uh, I I like all of those guys. Even like Armani Watts in this scheme. I, I I think that he can offer something in that. Jordan Lucas is good. Dan Sorensen looks to play be playing pretty good. And then obviously I like Matthew and Thornhill quite a bit. That's the strength back there. And you're just hoping that that safety group can cover up deficiencies in that cornerback group because that's where clearly the talent is in that safety group. Okay, guys. Uh, the practice squad. As of this recording, uh, we've got Kaiser, Marcus Marshall, Jimmy Murray, 
Jody Forson, Kyle Shermer, Cody Thompson. Any takeaways from the uh, members of the practice squad that we know? Uh, clearly, Kyle Shermer had won that practice squad QB job. It, it's good to see him in that room. Like Matt, I think, said last week, he's a heady guy. He'll he'll contribute to that room quite a bit. Fortson has some fun upside. He's kind of just a jump ball guy right now. But, you know, with that athletic profile, it's nice to see him there. And then guys like Murray, Kaiser, Marshall, they're all fun. They're all guys that you can look forward to maybe next year. Cody Thompson is clearly the prize of the practice squad. If a wide receiver happened to go down, I think you can feel fairly comfortable knowing that Cody Thompson can come in and play that, you know, play several different spots and be a pretty good route runner and contribute a little bit on special teams. Yeah, I think for me the big thing was Cody Thompson making it to the practice squad. But once I saw other guys like Demarcus Lodge, Keelan Doss, other wide receivers that I think a lot of people liked going into the draft get cut from their teams too, I felt a lot better about Cody Thompson making it to the practice squad. Every NFL team has a wide receiver, usually a young guy, that they always like, that fans don't think will make it there. And I fell victim to this too. But once I started seeing these other guys get cut, it was a crowded, young, talented room of young wide receivers. So the fact that we were able to get them was good. I like Kaiser. I like Shermer being there. We'll see what Fortson can do, what Murray does. I don't didn't like their overall preseason. They both kind of had moments. Jimmy Murray really struggled against the Packers. Like he was really, really struggling against the Packers. So, but it's why he's on the practice squad. They like something they're seeing out of him. So I want to see how they round it out. Who are the defensive players? I want to see some cornerbacks get in there because they need to start developing cornerbacks somewhere. Let, give me four corners to round this thing out. <laughs> just just throw four there and just just keep like this Herb is, Miller. Yeah, Herb Miller, bring Herb Miller into the mix. Just any any cornerback, you know, let's just kind of treat it like how the Bears treated the kicker position this offseason where they just threw all kinds of numbers at it. Uh, because I think it's time <laughs> they've got. So we're we're gonna they, be they saying help. that Julie Foudy should be on our roster as the cornerback. Is that is that how this is gonna work? Treat it like the Bears treated their kicker position. No. Uh, yeah. Demontre Wade, come on down. Herb Miller, come on down, and then just like I don't know any other corners with a pulse. Please just join this practice squad. It's, you're not far removed from an opportunity. That's going to do it for this week's episode or the, the breakdown edition of this show. We'll be back with the mailbag with a game preview, a real football game preview later this week. Catch you later.